The following message is brought to you by Berean Bible Church and may be used and distributed free of charge. For more free audio, video, and text resources, be sure to visit www.bereanbiblechurch.org. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, Bereans. We are not going to be in 2 Thessalonians this morning. I just got some stuff I got to deal with, so bear with me. I might have some views here that you're not, uh, you don't agree with. We can talk about that. You're not out, are you? No. <laughs> There's no chance of that, okay? I will talk about that, though, okay? Our culture is under attack. I, I, I'm sure that if you're living in this world, your eyes are open, you're aware of that. There's a movement right now that's out to make every sexual perversion acceptable. Perversions such as homosexuality, transgenderism, and pedophilia. And I really believe that behind all of this is the push for pedophilia. They're they're putting laws out now to try to make pedophilia not a sin anymore. And it's because a bunch of people, I think, are about to get caught in this trap, and they don't want it to be, you know, something you can go to jail for. Transgenderism just seems like it's become a cultural trend. The trans and gender redefinition issue, I think, is a fundamental attack on the family itself. Destruction of the sexes. There's no male, there's no female, whatever. You just ruin the family, and the family is the bedrock of human civilization. Humanity can't exist without the family. And the lunatic left celebrates this transgender movement, praising gender confusion individuals for their courage. Courage. And passing policies to cement gender identity into our legal code as well as in the national discourse. Gender ideology, the idea that gender is fluid, rather than an undeniable biological fact, has made its way into just about every part of our culture. From Hollywood films, TV, and if you're watching movies or you're watching television, every show just about, we were talking about this last week, pushes the homosexual, pushes the transgender thing. There are some shows that aren't doing it, but... You've got to look through a lot of garbage to find that. And before you go to a movie, find out if it's woke or not, before you go support it, all right? Well, as a Christian, are you shocked by what's going on in the culture? Does it shock you? I mean, have you ever questioned, how does this happen in our country, you know? Well, I think we have to realize and admit that our culture is moving from a Christian culture to a post-Christian culture. And the culture today in America is not the culture that I was born into. Of course, I wasn't born that long ago, but... (laughs) In 1973, just 50 years ago, the Board of American Psychiatric Association, under pressure from the National Gay Task Force, changed its official position by declaring that homosexual was not an illness. Which means up until 1973, the Board of American Psychiatric Association said that homosexuality was an illness. 
course, you didn't see back in the day, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s. I went to a karate class at the Y, got there early. I was in the bathroom and some guy tried to hit on me. So I went and told the karate teacher. Well, he went trying to find that guy. <laughs> it was a good thing he didn't find him because I think he might end up in jail. But, uh, you know, that was, that was just not that normal back then. But our culture is just rapidly changing. In 2012, the American Psychiatric Association, they revised their Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and it no longer lists being transgender as a mental disorder. They messed up on that one, didn't they? Transgender has been listed as a mental disorder since the third edition of the DSM more than 30 years ago. So they looked at this and said, this is a problem. This is a mental problem here. Now it's like, no, this is normal. This is what people are supposed to be like. Transgender people are now diagnosed with gender dysphoria which means emotional stress related to gender identity. Now, before you get too discouraged, please understand that the church has always been countercultural. All right? The first century church was certainly countercultural. And let me just say that if your views are cultural, you need to be spending more time or some time, any time, in the Scriptures. Okay? Because the Bible is definitely against what we see in our culture. Now, the issue of homosexuality, I think, has to be dealt with on two fronts. Now, hear me out here. Number one, how we deal and we treat unsaved homosexuals. Now, that makes you think, right, what? Are there saved homosexuals? Well, the second point is how do we deal with and treat those who say they're Christians but are homosexuals? Now, if that second question confuses you, you must not be aware that there's a homosexual movement in this country where there's churches that are homosexual churches, all right? Well, let's start with a definition. What is a homosexual? Well, the Cambridge Dictionary defines it as this. A person, especially a man, I don't understand that, who who is sexually attracted to people of the same sex and not the people of the opposite sex. Now, let me ask you a question. Based on that definition, is it a sin to be a homosexual? Thank you. Why is it not a sin? Sexually attracted to the same sex. Let me ask you something, people. Can you help who you are sexually attracted to? Can you help that? Can you help what you like, what you desire? You think no, but I think yes. You think yes, okay. Um, I'm attracted to women. Woman. <laughs> Woman. I, I can't see any other I can't see any other scenario, you know? I and it's my opinion, like I said, my wife disagrees, but I, I don't think this is a choice situation. I think you're born this way, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but I don't think you just choose who you're sexually attracted to. And I think being sexually attracted to a person of the same sex is not sin unless you act on that and engage in sex, because I don't think you can help what you like. There's certain things people like, and there's certain things people don't like. Why? I don't know. But if you don't like something, you're not going to be involved in it. 
If you do like something, well, then that's the chance here. Now, most people use the term homosexual to refer to someone who is involved in homosexual sin. Sex, basically. So, and I think that just confused the issue because a person can be a homosexual and be celibate, which means they're not sinning. The attraction is not a sin, it's the act that is a sin. So as not to confuse the issue, I'm going to use the term homosexual as a person who is a practicing homosexual. So we have to ask the question, why is homosexuality spreading so rapidly? Why is it becoming so widely acceptable to the masses? Well, I think it's because behind this sin is a movement, a subculture. Homosexuals have a support network. What other sin do you know of that has a support network? Have you ever heard of a liar's bar? Where all liars go to hang out together and tell lies? How about a murderer's bar? Or, you know. Have you ever seen murderers marching in the street for their rights? Pride, Pride Week for murderers. You know, we, we're murderers and we want our rights. Do any other sins you know of have a Pride Month? I don't know how it got to be a month. It was a day, then it was a week, now it's a month. And then, by the way, June is Pride Month, so hang on. Okay? Talk about getting in your face. So, how did all this start? Well, first of all, you got to understand, homosexuality has been around forever, okay? The Roman emperors, most of the Roman emperors were homosexual. All right? This is a problem that's always been rampant, but... It hasn't been that way in America. Well, most would say that, so when did it start? Um, most would say it was Gay Pride Week in 1970, where 20,000 marched in New York City alone. And this movement is very organized, okay? It's got leaders, and they're highly motivated. They're tactically trained. They're heavily financed. They're skilled in communication, education, politics, and often in religion. They're single-mindedly dedicated to one task, and that's making the homosexual lifestyle an integrated and acceptable part of American culture, thus removing the restraints and opening the floodgates to wickedness. In a matter of a few decades, the homosexual movement has measurably transformed the nation's perception of homosexuality. I mean, if you... 10, 20 years ago, you couldn't imagine seeing the things you see on TV. I saw a commercial yesterday for HIV or AIDS or whatever, and there's two guys kissing. I'm like, who wants to see that? That's disgusting. And this movement has made great strides toward disassociating homosexual behavior from sin and identifying it as a legitimate alternative lifestyle. And they had the full cooperation of the media. That is the big problem. Okay? It's in our face because the media puts it out there, telling you know the television, the movies, the public schools, corporations are pushing this. And see, if it's not a sin, then really the restraints are gone. And it becomes publicly accepted. And once those restraints are removed, that just totally goes wild. And those, I think, that are once hostile to homosexuality now kind of tolerate it. Those who once tolerated it now say, ah, well, you can't help who you love. And most people, I think Christians included, have gradually acclimated to the commonness of homosexual behavior. 
We have been and are being desensitized to its unnaturalness and its sinfulness. And most people today are afraid to call it sin. Pastors are afraid to call it sin. It's now socially acceptable. It's even popular. It's the in thing today to be gay. I've never seen so many school kids claiming to be gay because it's just a cool thing to do now, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm gay. It wasn't cool in my day. And anyone who speaks against homosexuality is labeled a homophobe, you know? The popularity and acceptance of homosexuality should not affect us as believers. Because the only question that we really have to deal with is what does the Bible teach about an issue? And whatever the issue is, whatever the cultural trend, we have to ask ourselves, what does the Bible have to say about this? And in our day, the Scriptures are being reinterpreted to fit the homosexual agenda. Justin Lee, get this, he is the executive director of the Gay Christian Network. Okay, the Gay Christian Network, Justin Lee's the director, and Justin says this, It is certainly true that God designed our bodies with heterosexuality in mind. That's how new human beings come into the world. So this guy's got a little bit of brain cells functioning still. He does get this, okay? That's how new people come into the world. I don't think anyone can deny that heterosexual sex is the way our bodies were built to function. Good so far. Then he goes this. But, does that mean that using our bodies in any other way is sinful? Well, it does if using your body in another way goes against Scripture. And it does. So yes, therefore, it is wrong. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says there's only one moral, legitimate outlet for man's God-given sex drive, and that is marriage. And just so you understand, it's sad that you have to clarify this, marriage is the union of a man and a woman. There's no other thing called marriage. God invented marriage. He ordained it, and He said it's a man, it's a woman for a lifetime. That's what marriage is. There's no other two men can't be married. They can have a civil union, they can do whatever kind of contract they want, but it's not a marriage. We have to understand that. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Now, in chapter 7, Paul's going to answer some of the questions and the difficulties that have been raised by him from the Corinthians. He's dealing with some of the things they had to ask. And Paul writes this, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. This is not a good translation. Look what Young's puts it. And concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Okay? Now the phrase not to touch doesn't refer to holding hands, putting your arm around a woman. Touch is the Greek word haptomai, and it means to attach oneself to, to apply oneself to. It is directly relates to the sexual relationship within a marriage. It's a euphemism for a sexual relation. We see this used this way throughout Scripture. 
So to touch a woman is a euphemism for sexual relationship, but get this part, this is really important. It is metonymy for marriage. Haptomai. It is good for a man not to haptomai, not to be married to a woman. What? What's he saying here? Well, the scripture uses the word touch here of the union of marriage. And the basic meaning of haptomai is to attach oneself to or to bind yourself to. So in our text, it's saying it is good not to marry. That's the literal translation here. Now, what's Paul talking about here? He knew that marriage is a divine institution, right? He knew that God himself said it's not good for man to be alone. And and just think about the depth of that statement. It's not good for man to be alone. Was man alone in the truest sense? Not only was he surrounded by all of creation, but more substantially, he had a perfect relationship with Yahweh. In the garden, walking with God, fellowshipping with God. And yet, in spite of that relationship and those realities, Yahweh said, it's not good to be alone. Speaking of the need of a wife. That should tell us how important this is. And all through the Bible, marriage is considered very highly. For example, Hebrews 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. That's a good translation. Some translations say, and the marriage bed is undefiled. It's basically, you're telling you, this is, don't defile the marriage bed. All right? Now, in the Tanakh, Marriage is used to suggest a relationship between God and His people and the New Testament between the Lord and His church. The Bible holds marriage on a very high level. So Paul doesn't have a low view of marriage, all right? He's not denouncing marriage. Paul simply says, it's good not to marry. Celibacy is a good state. It's not to be depreciated. And as you go through the chapter, Paul gives two reasons why he says it's not good for the Corinthians to marry. One of them is in verse 26. He says, And I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. All right? It's because of the present distress, which was a time of intense persecution. The second reason he gives is in verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So, When you're married, you have to take care of your wife. You have to take care of your spouse. Marriage has responsibilities, which limit you, he's saying, in your service to the Lord. So what Paul is saying contextually is consider your present circumstances and considering the responsibilities within marriage, it's good not to marry. Now, the first principle, which is celibacy is good, has to be balanced with the second principle, and that's found in verse 2 through 6. Simply stated, it's this. It's natural to marry. And Paul's general rule is laid down in verse 2 when he says this, Because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now, although there may be exceptions, there is no doubt as to what the norm is. Marriage is the norm. And this verse makes it clear that God does not approve either of polygamy or homosexual marriages, which aren't marriages. Wife and husband here are in the singular. The man is not to have another man, but his own wife. The woman is not to have another woman, but her own husband. That's marriage. Marriage is one man for one woman for a lifetime. 
So Paul's basic principle is that every man is to have his own wife and every woman is to have her own husband. The problem in this verse is that the principle is prefaced with the phrase because of the temptation to sexual immorality. So we have to ask, is this why a person marries? To avoid fornication? It is one of the reasons, yes, that the Bible lays out. Because you're being sexually tempted, get married. Now, Paul's not giving us his doctrine of marriage here. He's speaking of the danger of sexual sin for those who are single. If you want Paul's doctrine of marriage, you need to go to Ephesians 5. And you'll see there that he places a very extremely high view on marriage. What Paul's doing here is answering a specific problem that was given to a specific question in relation to a specific situation existing in Corinth at that time. The situation was this. Fornication was rampant in the city. Temptation abounded everywhere. You couldn't walk down the street without being propositioned by a prostitute. And what Paul is saying in this passage is that there's a real solution to the situation at Corinth, and that's this. Get your own wife. God has instituted marriage as a safeguard against such evil as fornication. Marriage is not the lesser of two evils. It is the God-ordained safeguard against immorality. And then in verse 3, he says this, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. Now the Greek word here, conjugal rights, is aphele. And according to Strong's, it means indebtedness. That is a sum owed, an obligation, a duty. Listen, Paul is saying when you get married, you become obligated to meet the physical needs of your spouse. In other words, marriage is no place for celibacy. Listen, if the reason you get married, one of the reasons is to avoid fornication, and then you get married and you have a sexless marriage, what does that do? That just doesn't help the temptation at all. And people, I wish husband and wife would understand this. We have an obligation to meet the needs. And I believe this is a condition for divorce, according to the Scriptures, if a spouse is not meeting the needs. Now, of course, this is man's needs, of course, because, you know... You know how it works. <laughs> Why God gave different sex drives to men and women, I don't understand that. Okay, that is, that, that is definitely confusing to me. But thank the Lord he put a verse in there that says, you got a duty, okay? <laughs> you got a duty to take care of your man. And the men have duties too for the women. I'm not saying it's one way, but it seems in the sexual area it could be. Well, Paul's purpose here is to stress the reality of sexual temptations of singleness and to acknowledge they have a legitimate outlet, marriage. Now, the Scriptures clearly teach that marriage is, again, between a man and a woman, and all sexual activity outside, all sexual activity outside a monogamous, heterosexual marriage, whether it be homosexuality, whether it be fornication, polygamy, adultery, bestiality, and so on. It's all sin. Amen. The, only, the only way a man or woman can have sex is if they're married in God's ordained plan for things. That's Anything else is sin. That's clear. Very clear from the Scripture. 
And here's what's interesting. And the homosexuals, again, they try to, you know, they have their own churches, they have their own Bibles, they just try to say, hey, it's okay. But there's no examples of homosexual marriage in the Scripture. Why not? Because <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to be. It's unnatural, the Bible says. There's also no instructions on homosexual relationships. It's not supposed to be that way. Now again, Justin Lee, who let me remind you, is the executive director of the Gay Christian Network. Okay? Justin says this, I now believe that homosexual behavior is appropriate within the confines of a committed, loving, monogamous, lifelong, Christ-centered relationship. Okay? This is, you know, if you, we'll talk about this in a minute, and you'll see that this is a, a way advanced to most people's view on things. But he says, you know, it's a committed relationship. Then he says this, essentially, I'm arguing that a Christ-centered marriage is a good thing, regardless of the gender of the people involved. Well, Justin's wrong because marriage is between a man and a woman. And the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin. So how do they come up with this stuff? Well, they misinterpret the Bible. You've got to read some what they do to some of these passages and what they do with some of the Scriptures. It's just absolutely amazing. In our day, the media, educators, government agencies are increasingly portraying homosexuality in a favorable light. People, there's a purpose to this, okay? This is not just random. It's not just crazy people. they got an agenda they're trying to destroy this country. And again, you start by destroying the family, you ruin the children, you make pedophilia legal, you just destroy it. So they're trying to make, hey, this is acceptable, this is good, this is right. Now tragically, the most prominent endorsement of the homosexual movement has come from the organized church. In the literature of 50 years ago, it would be really difficult to find any serious defense of homosexuality by professing Christians. It's not so anymore. One of the first, and certainly the most significant, was Derek Sherwin Bailey's Homosexuality and the Western Christian Tradition, published in 1955. Only 16 years after Bailey's work, a United Methodist Church in San Francisco married two homosexual men to the applause and cheers of 500 others. Of course, it started in California, right? Ten years later, the First United Methodist Church of Boulder, Colorado, kept Reverend Julian Rush as a minister of youth and education despite his publicly acknowledged homosexuality and his active role in Denver's gay and lesbian community center. Later, two admitted homosexuals were ordained to the Methodist ministry. Now, how Christianity deals with homosexuality is of paramount importance to homosexuals, okay? To the movement. Because despite our post-Christian era, Christianity remains a powerful force in America. It really does. And they want our approval. They want our acceptance. Religion and morality have always been two sides of the same coin. And nothing affects attitudes, behavior, and tolerance like religious beliefs. Therefore, in any cause to find acceptance, they want to win the churches over. They want to get the church to say this is okay. This is especially true of any cause that apparently violates traditional church doctrine. They want to redefine this so, yeah, the church is okay with this. 
Now, how the church portrays the homosexual lifestyle, I think, will determine the beliefs of many, whether or not it's portrayed in harmony with the Scriptures, or it's just, you might think, well, it's just liberal churches that are doing this, right? Well, on the contrary, the largest homosexual denomination in the country is the Evangelical Universal Fellowship of Metropolitan Community Churches. The first Metropolitan Community Church was founded, again, in Los Angeles in 1966 by Reverend Troy Perry, formerly an ordained Pentecostal minister and author of The Lord is My Shepherd and He Knows I'm Gay. In six years, the Metropolitan boasted more than 39 chartered congregations and 43 missions and study groups. In just six years. They got a combined membership exceeding 17,000. In six years. In ten years, it grew to 67,000 in well over 100 locations across the world. Their, their doctrinal statement is totally, solidly evangelical. They believe in the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the resurrection, salvation by grace through faith alone. They promote evangelistic outreach. They perform evangelical weddings with a small twist. Most of the couples they marry are the same sex. Tony Jones, who is an author and church leader in the emergent movement, are you familiar with the emergent movement at all? He says that he believes... Gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, and queer individuals can and should live out their sexuality in and blessed by the Christian church. That's what they want. They want our acceptance. They, oh yeah, what you're doing is okay. Freeze them up, okay? Well, I really think you ought to read his Bible a little more, you know, because I'm not sure where he's getting this stuff. So let's look at what the Bible does say about this issue. Because the church has to stand on the Scriptures. It can't be moved by the culture movement of the day. It can't be moved by sentimentality. Oh, these are nice people. Yeah, you know, you just can't help who you love. No, it's wrong. Paul specifically addresses the issue of homosexuality in Romans chapter 1. He says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now he says, God gave them up. This is from the Greek paradokin, which is a first aorist indicative of paradidomai. And paradidomai means to turn someone over to judgment. It's a verb that's put in the active voice stressing the activity of God. God is acting in a positive, overt movement of judgment. Of judgment. And Paul says three times in Romans 1, God gave them up. Paradidomai. What did He give them up to? Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Here Paul says God gave them over to impurity. This is the Greek word akatharsia. And akatharsia means the contents of the grave. 
It came to mean rot or filth or decay or even dirt. Its moral meaning has to do with sexual vice, sexual sin. And Paul's thinking it primarily refers to perversions of a sexual area of life. So men are given up to impurity by a judicial act of God. And Paul says at the end of verse 24, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So they pervert God's intended use for the body. They turn to fornication, sexual activity, sexual deviations, perversions, promiscuity. It just kind of sounds like our society today. But God's will is that we abstain from sexual sin. Believers are to live a life of free from sexual sin because we're called to live holy. He says their women exchange the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Relations here is the Greek word krasis, which is a very well-established term for sexual intercourse. And that is exactly what he's talking about. They carry on a sexual activity contrary to the intention of the Creator. The word natural here is phusikos, which means in keeping how God has designed people. Unnatural refers to behavior that is contrary to how God has made us. In the Greek text, the words translated women and men here, women is thelus and men is arson. And those terms specifically refer to male and female because Paul's language here is the language of sex. So homosexuality is an unnatural relationship to oneself and one's body. And consequently, if we believe the words of Paul, it's contrary to God's order. It's contrary to how God made things. People, this is the teaching of the whole Bible. In other words, the Apostle says the relationship of heterosexuality is that which is natural. Natural here means in keeping with how God designed people to be. And contrary to nature refers to behavior that is contrary to how God made us. So when a man forsakes the natural order, he forsakes the author of that order. And I believe that the norm is for people to be sexually attracted to the opposite sex. Now hang on here with me. From Let's talk about this. And I think when they're not attracted to the opposite sex, when they're attracted to the same sex, that's a defect. Okay? I see that something's broken because that's not natural. And when people are attracted Attracted to the same sex, something's wrong. Something's short-circuiting. Something's broken. Is it a genetic defect? Is it a hormonal defect? I don't know. But why do some people have this defect? I mean, why would they? I guess that's the way God made them. Okay? We see this in Exodus 4.11. Then Yahweh said to him, Who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Some people are born deaf. Some are born blind. Some are born with other debilitating diseases or deformity. Why? That's just how it is. got to deal with your defects, how, you, how you're made. It's not a sin, as I said earlier, to be attracted to the same sex, but it's a sin if you act on it. And I do believe that God can change people if you're attracted to the same sex, I believe God can fix that. He can change you. But if He doesn't change the heart of a gay person, 
and he's a Christian, then he must live a celibate life. I know that's not easy, but many people live with defects that are just not easy to live with. Life is not always easy. And I say this is a defect because the Bible says there's a natural order, there's an unnatural order. So something's wrong with that having that attraction. Something's wrong. Because I don't think people who don't have that defect, you know, I am not, never have been attracted to the same sex. You know, I can't even fathom that's repulsive to me. Okay? Why? Because I'm not broken in that manner. Okay? Verse 27 says, The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Consumed with passion for one another. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. Let me drag the medical community in here. I'm told there is a level of lust among homosexuals that's not known among heterosexuals. It's not unusual for the average homosexual male to have 300 partners a year. 300. It's not uncommon for them to have to go to the ER to have various articles extracted from deep within them, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? In the book, Where Death Delights, the story of Dr. Milton Helpburn and forensic medicine, on chapter 13 he explains why brutal multiple wound cases denote a homosexual murder. Dr. Hepburn, who was the chief medical examiner for New York City, says this, I did 60,000 autopsies, and I'm not one to make a judgment on lifestyle, but I would warn anyone who chooses a homosexual lifestyle to get ready for the consequences. He says in 60,000 autopsies, I can take one look at a corpse and tell you if it was killed by a homosexual because of the massive mutilations. This is not some Christian, you know, pushing to get, this is a doctor, a medical doctor just saying, this is what I deal with. And any study of the homosexual community shows a higher rate of suicide, a lower tolerance to disease and sickness, and a shorter lifespan by 25 to 30 years. In other words, there's judgment for this sin. The likelihood of infections and debilitating and deadly diseases are decreased in this lifestyle. There's a burning level of lust that's beyond anything the heterosexual understands. There are frequent murders and other crimes that are beyond description. Now, the commentator Scroggs attempts to minimize Paul's negative remarks on homosexuality by arguing that Paul is simply drawing on Hellenistic Jewish tradition that probably only pederasty is being condemned. Now, pederasty is the Greek for lover of boys. So he's saying, oh, that, that's all he's condemning here, you know. No, that's not what all he's condemning here at all. He's condemning, he said, men with men. Contemporary homosexuals insist that there's these verses that we're looking at in Romans, they mean this. It's perverse 
for a heterosexual male or female to engage in homosexual relationships. That's what's wrong, okay? So if you're heterosexual, stay away from the homosexuals because that's sin. But if you're homosexual, then it's not sin. It's okay. That's natural. I mean, you talk about twisting this stuff around, you know, but that's what they do. That's strained exegesis. It's eisegesis, okay? It's unsupported by the Bible. The only natural sexual relationship the Bible recognizes is a heterosexual one within marriage. Paul condemns homosexual behavior in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. In 1 Timothy 1.10, he says, The sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality. Now the Greek here, translated in these verses as homosexuality, is arsenikoites, which is a compound word derived from arsen, which means man, and koite, which means bed. And both these words are found in the Septuagint version of Leviticus 18.22 and 20.13, where it says, you shall not lie with a male. Okay? That's koite and arson. We see the same thing in Leviticus 20.13. If a man, arson, koite, lies with a male as with a woman. There are no instances of the word arsenikoites prior to Paul. Even many revisionist scholars agree that Paul coined this term from Leviticus. Paul was reiterating the holiness code from Leviticus. And this clearly tells us that arsenikoites referred to homosexual behavior. Paul condemns this sin. It is unrighteous behavior. So here's the question. Can a Christian be involved in homosexual sex? Can they? Sure. Okay. Again, thanks, Jimmy. Um, listen, believers, Christians are not exempt from any sin. Okay, I hope you understand that. Now, I heard a person say, no homosexual can be in Christ. Okay, what about adulterers? What about liars? What about drunkards? There's only certain people can be in there. I've personally known, I know more than this, but personally known two Christians who were involved in homosexuality. Two of them. One of them left the lifestyle, came home, died of AIDS. I mean, it was, it had to be like 70 pounds by the time he died. It was just disgusting. But you know, it was so cool. His attitude was so cool. I mean, as he laid there dying, he said, I would rather God kill me now than let me go back to that lifestyle. Because I'd rather die in fellowship with God than caught up in that lifestyle. So he was a Christian. He got out of it. The other one, when I was a youth pastor, I had one of the teens come to me and tell me he's involved in homosexuality. So I sat him down with the Bible and I told him what the Bible teaches. Talked to him about, you know, he needed to repent of this sin. He did repent of the sin. Years later, he got married, he's got children, and he's faithfully serving Christ today. So, God can change people's hearts. 
He can work in their lives. He can fix them from this problem. Jerry Otterburn, who was a believer who got involved in homosexuality, he wrote a book called, How Will I Tell My Mother? Let me just share with you some of the things he says in the book. He says, the, f- the first homosexual advance came at a church camp. The second at a church picnic. People, this, this, <laughs> this should not be at all, okay? But he says, the process of my converting to a homosexual lifestyle didn't happen overnight. It was gradual. So I didn't even know it was happening because in the beginning, I thought I was merely making new friends. I was, for the first time, I felt truly accepted. Now here's what Jerry says in the book. Jerry talks about, as a young person, he was effeminate. You know what I'm talking about. He's a guy, but you know he's a sissy guy, whatever. He wasn't gay. They're just people that are like that, okay? That's just how they are. They're not... You know, men's men, I don't know what the problem is, but, you know, they're... And Kathy and I knew, when our kids were young, we knew a friend of ours had a boy that, that same way. And he's homosexual now. Uh, but Jerry just, you know, he says, I got accepted. You know, because guys wouldn't accept me because I was, you know, a little, little funny, so they didn't accept me. So I was accepted into the gay world. And, and it hooked me on that culture. Back up. So Jerry repented of his homosexuality and he later died of AIDS. But again, died in fellowship. All right, let's talk about the transgenderism. That's the T in LGBTQIA. Okay? Uh, these things stand for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning. They're not, you can use it either way, okay? If you're queer, I don't really understand queer and gay are those different things they never were to me but i don't know maybe we're just trying to cover all the letters here but if you're questioning i don't know questioning what if you question anything you fit into this i question a lot of things but i don't think i would fit into this okay intersex asexual and then the plus is we can add anything else we want to it okay so this letter they can get crazy out of hand all right all right now this is what i want you to hear this is so important to me all right The demographics of this movement, they're difficult to come by. But transgenderism is the smallest group within the larger LGBT community. For comparison, homosexuality, they say, may represent 1% to 2% of the U.S. population. You would not think that based on the TV and news and movies. You think it's everywhere. 1% to 2% of the population with men outnumbering women. Bisexuality, they say, 2 to 4% of the population, all right, with women outnumbering men. Intersex, 1 to 4%, asexual, 1%, and transgenderism, 0.6%. That's based on a broad definition of the term, though researchers have even lowered that number. They say the number actually is lower than 0.1%. Can you buy that? 0.1%? It's everywhere in our faces. I mean, Target's got a whole line of clothes for these kids. Who's buying that stuff?
Even though by definition, transgenderism is not the same as homosexuality, which I would kind of differ from that. It's really connected, all right? And we'll talk about that in a minute. There's enough overlap between the two that some regard transgenderism as homosexuality by another name. For example, if a transgender individual is biological male, but perceives his identity to be female and is sexually attracted to men, that'd be a homosexual. <laughs> okay, you follow me? A, a trans woman is a man, so if a trans woman is attracted to a man, then that's homosexual. If a trans man, which is a woman, is attracted to a woman, oh yeah, sorry. Sorry, I don't want to get too complicated. It gets, you need a chart to follow all this stuff, okay? But you do need a chart, but it's, it's, it's just out of control. What does the Bible say about transgenderism? Does it say anything? Well, the thing we have to understand is the Bible teaches that God made male and female. And people listen to this. God wants that sexes to be separate and identifiable. No matter what our feelings, no matter what kind of confusion people are going through, you should act in accordance with your biological reality. The Bible knows no other gender categories other than male and female. Now, you know today they've made up, <laughs> there's so many of them it isn't crazy. All right? But, I, you know, an anthropologist digs up a couple hundred year old person and they say, well, this is a male. Yeah, how do you know? Dogs, we got what choice? Well, it's a male or a female, you know? That's the same thing with people. They can make up all the stuff they want. You know, when people say, well, I identify as, that to me is saying, I pretend to be, and I say, I'm not pretending with you. I'm sorry. I don't want to pretend. You're what you are. And you can do anything you want. It doesn't change things, all right? The Bible knows no other gender categories. We know from Genesis 1 and 2 that the categories of male and female are part of God's design for humanity. When God created the first human pair in, the, in His image, He created male and female. And He made the woman to be a complement, to be a helpmeet for the man. Now notice what Moses writes back in Deuteronomy 22.5. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh your God. What's this about? I mean, why you can't wear clothes that belong to the other sex? Well, this verse is found in a section of Deuteronomy 22 that focuses on the respect for human and animal life, which is verses 1 through 8. Verses 9 through 11 remind people not to mix what should remain distinct while the last half of the chapter covers regulations for protecting the integrity of marriage and individuals who are wronged by others sexually. Deuteronomy 22 contains laws pertaining to the 6th and 7th commandment, prohibiting murder and adultery. The judgment on cross-dressing in verse 5 is that it is an abomination that's toeva to God. Now the Hebrew toeva is used throughout the Tanakh for ritual or ethical activities that God detests, including idolatry and sexual immorality. So it may be that the context, that any behavior which dissolves distinctions between the sexes is what he's talking about. It's perverted. It's a perversion of God's order because he wants men to be men and women to be women. Even in 
prostitution or goddess worship, which is often the context here, the text does not support behavior which disrespects biologically based gender. When we read within the context of both Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Deuteronomy 22, as a whole, this behavior is prohibited because it does not respect the sanctity of the human bodies as male and female. For whatever reason, those distinctions are dissolved and that is a sin because humanity survives and thrives as male and female. It's the only way the species goes on. Now, Today, there's a common assumption among some doctors that there's some biological basis for transgenderism. But years of research and debate within the medical community regarding the cause of transgenderism has been inconclusive. And the thing that we have to be so aware of today is they're pushing this on young children, four and five-year-olds. They don't know anything about sex, and they're telling them, maybe you should be a boy, maybe you should be a girl. In California, they're making Skittles. They're outlawed Skittles, but a little kid four and five years old can get a sex change. And by the way, I just I agree with them outlawing Skittles. That stuff, you know, you'll be much healthier if you don't eat that crap. All right. Now listen to this, Dr. Paul McHugh, the University Distinguished Service of Professor of Psychiatry at Johns Hopkins. University School of Medicine. I think all schools now are basically indoctrination centers, okay? They're, they're not trying to teach you, they're not trying to educate you, they're trying to indoctrinate you. But this man is from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, and he says this, Transgender men do not become women, nor do transgendered women become men. All, including Bruce Jenner, become feminized women or masculinized men. What? Feminized men are masculinized women. Counterfeits or imposters of the sex which with they identify in that it lies their problematic future. So he says, these are counterfeits. These are impersonators. This is a professor at a liberal school saying, you can't do this. It doesn't work. Well, Princeton philosopher Robert P. George says this, Changing sexes is a metaphysical impossibility because it is a biological impossibility. You can't do it, people. You just can't do it. You can have all the surgeries, and you can, you know, and listen, I I read a long list of the complications from bottom surgeries that people are getting. I mean, sick, I mean, this, this one person, he's saying, I had 27 infections after this. You know, he just, he said, I won't live long. He, he just goes through the, the misery of what he went through trying to go through this. You can't do it, people. You just can't, you can't change from one sex to another. All right? Let me ask you this. How many are familiar with the term cisgender? Oh, I am. Really? <laughs> Listen, I, I've never heard this term until last week. Okay, I have no clue what a cisgender is. Anybody, you know what it is? It means you're normal. That's basically the new word for normal. Because cisgender is a person who was born a male and identifies as a male. Or born a female and identifies as a female. So that's a cisgender. So that's normal. 
So why don't they just say normal? Because that sounds really bad for them, right? How crazy is this? That's what they call us. Oh, he's cisgender. Yeah, I was born a man. I think I'm a man. <laughs> That's not complicated, all right? You know, we got so much crazy stuff going on today. The Biden administration, they're so big on pushing this. Anybody that he hires has got to be gay or transgender or lunatic or something, you know. It just has to be that way, okay? You know, and that, that guy, I can't remember the guy's name now, the bald-headed guy that wore lipstick in the dresses, uh, Sam, Sam Britton. Sam Britton, he was, you know, he was an administration official and he got, stole for steal, he got caught for stealing luggage. He was stealing a woman's, a designer woman's luggage and wearing her designer clothes. Yes, he he done it twice. Well, they got him out. Now he's now he's looking at jail time, okay, because of it. They're actually coming down on him. But, you know, the Biden administration released official guidelines recommending irreversible and life-altering surgery for minors that are too young to get a learner's permit, but they can have their sex changed. And today our government provides hormone blockers to delay puberty that children have time to figure out what they are. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And these puberty blockers come with potential risks of sterility, impact on bone mass, brain development. And the majority of children diagnosed with gender dysphoria don't carry that diagnosis into adulthood. They're just confused as kids. And today, you know, parents are pushing this. Educators are pushing this. I mean, they're telling little kids, oh, maybe you should be a boy. And they're like, oh, okay, what's that? You know, like, the kids are not coming up with this on their own. It's being pushed. So how do we deal with this? That's what we have to talk about. This is our culture. How do we deal with it? Personally, how do we respond to homosexuals and transgenders? Personally, here's how. Matthew 5, 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeshua's teaching that we're to love our enemies this is complete, radical teaching. Complete radical. This is powerful teaching about the inclusiveness of love. And the kind of love that Yeshua advocates even embraces enemies. Now here's what I want you to think about. Considering that 41%, 41% of individuals who experience gender dysphoria will attempt suicide. 41%. And the rates of suicide are very, still abnormally high, even those who have fully transitioned. And in light of this, I think these people need to be shown love. Okay? They're, they're already messed up totally, you know, killing themselves, committing suicide, high suicide rate in the transgender community. Believers, our arguing with the unsaved about certain sins is not what we're called to do. We're just not. We're called to lovingly present them with the gospel of Christ. And what the church has always done is to seek the lost with the gospel of Christ. And condemning people is terrible evangelism. Paul told us to stop judging people outside the church. Now, for those who are transgender, homosexual, who claim to be believers, I think we need to sit down with them with the scripture and say, here's what the Bible says. It is a sin. You can't get around that. The Bible condemns this lifestyle. You will be judged for this lifestyle. You have to deal with this. That's all we can do. Tell them what the Scriptures say. 
And believers, don't look to our government to support our Christian values, okay? <laughs> don't waste your time trying to get government to change. You know, Yeshua, Paul, Peter, John, they spent zero time trying to change the government. Paul often appeared before government officials, but he never tried to get them to change their laws of the land. I think, believers, that we're to be the conscience of our society. And that's why we have to know what we believe. And we have to take a stand against this stuff. But we must lovingly stand against sin. We need to say what the Bible says, and we have a moral obligation to teach the truth of God no matter what society says. And I think if, if it keeps on going the way it's going right now, it won't be far in the future where I could get arrested for saying what I'm saying here today. Okay? It's, hate, it's a hate crime. And I'll bet you YouTube pulls this video down. Okay? It'll be on Rumble, though. You should be on Rumble anyway. Get away from YouTube. Go to Rumble. All right? All right. Personally, I don't think we need to attack these. They don't need that. They're already so messed up. They're already hurting because it, people, when, when you live unnaturally, it affects you. And when you're in this transgender thing and you don't know who you are or what you are, they just need someone with a little bit of compassion to tell them what the Scripture says and to encourage them. But how do we fight back against the cultural push that's being jammed down our throat by our whole society, it seems like? Well, first of all, let me say, stop watching the shows that constantly push it. Stop watching them. If they're not getting enough people watching, the commercials don't, you know, they're, they're not going to get enough sponsors. They're going to have to shut that thing down. So just stop. And Hollywood is all out to push this down our throats. So stop watching that stuff. Secondly, another thing you can do. Go to your school board meeting and confront them about the trash that's in public schools. Just check out a book from the school library and read it at a school meeting. They'll shut you down. Stop, stop. That's vile. <laughs> but my kid, my four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old can read this stuff? See, we have to, and this is happening across the country, which is so encouraging to me. People are going to these school board meetings, and they're fighting. They're, they're fighting back. They're yelling at the school board. They're reading these books in public, and it's embarrassing, all right? We got to do something. Here's the big thing, I think. We need to stop supporting businesses that promote this stuff. We got to stop. If they're pushing this agenda, this woke theology, then stop supporting them. Disney has just launched its third round of layoffs with 2,500 job cuts. I love that. That's a pedophile organization, people. Okay, that's a sick organization. Watch the movies they're putting out for kids. Watch them. There's so much innuendo in there, it's not funny. But yet Christians are going to Disney World and having a great time. Stop. Despite the objections from the public and the pushing woke politics, the company has remained defiant, even doubling down on the LGBT and social justice issues, and it's costing them. All right? And yeah, we may soon be talking about Bud Light as a former brand on the latest news. Ah, there used to be this beer called Bud Light. Literally. Nobody's buying the product, and it's rotten on the shelves. And Bud Light has told wholesalers they'll buy back cases of beer that are past the expiration date. I mean, it just, 
You can look at the go to the store and look at the cases of beer and Bud Light's packed full because nobody is buying it. Now Bud Light's trying to overcome this. They did some commercial with the Clydesdale marching through America and they're we're American. And now they've got a Harley commercial out there. Bud Light and Harley, men, men, okay? And people are like, you blew it? Okay. Dylan Mull, whatever the little sissy's name is, you know, you gave him a beer. We're done. That is so encouraging to me because it tells me America doesn't want this stuff. America's saying, no, you stick that in our face, we stop. That's encouraging. That should encourage all of us that people are fighting back against this stuff. That tells me America's not gone and, and sucked into all this. They don't want it. Target. I'm sure you heard about Target. Their, uh, their little gay, transgender clothes that they're making, they're being produced by a, a Satanist. Okay, this Satanist is producing this clothesline and Target's pushing his, their trans merc. Okay? Many Target locations are having a big deal for June Pride Month. And they got these displays in the front of the church with all this transgender gear, clothes, and whatever. Listen, point zero. Huh? In front of the store, yeah, sorry. Well, it probably is in some churches, okay? It probably is in some churches, okay? But you go, you walk in the store, and, there, and there's this, all this merchandise. And here's my question the largest number is 0.6%. What parents are taking their, come on, let's go get you some transgender gear to wear to school. Who's doing that? How are they they making money? Well, now most of them are moving this stuff to the back because, ooh, Bud Light doesn't look good. We got to, let's hide this stuff, okay? They got mugs that say gender fluid on them. And they got tuck-friendly bathing suits. So guys, if you want to wear a woman's suit, they got tuck-friendly suits, so you just tuck all the stuff in there, and you look like a little girl, okay? And I know so many men just want these bathing suits, you know? What are they doing with this? The drag queen, Little Miss Hot Mess, is writing children's books, and Target is stocking them on their shelves. Now, here's an interesting thing. Little Miss, little Miss Hot Mess, he admits... The drag is a political tool used to desensitize a child's early understanding of sex. This is, this is them saying this. That's why we're doing this. We're trying to desensitize the kids. We're trying to mess them all up. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They're not going to, you know. They just, we're going to destroy them, okay? A Target insider told Fox Digital News that many locations in the rural areas and the south have relocated the pride sections to the back. Because they don't want to happen to them what happened to Bud, all right? Yeah, move it right out, okay? You you know what North Face is, clothing line? Outdoor clothes, right? Garrett, you ready for this? North Face is partnered with the drag queen yelling, Come out! Okay, you got to listen to this. It's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out. This is a North Face clothing commercial. A real life. I didn't make this up. Okay, this is a commercial, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. 
this proves the point of what I was talking about. The transgenders, you know, most of them are homosexual. That's it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, and, and see, they've got to play here on come out. Because they want you to come out and be homosexual, be transgender, but they're also talking about the wilderness because, you know, North Face is the clothing line for outdoor. Adventure with us! Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour the Summer of Pride. This is a clothing commercial. Now, North Face is a clothing line for, for outdoors. How many outdoor people want to... Be transgender and wear little rainbows on them when they're outside. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, a real live homosexual, okay? This is, oh, people, this is, you know, people don't go crazy over this. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable. Oh, how about Ford? Any of you guys want to, come on, Patty. Any of you guys want to buy the new Ford Raptor truck? This is real. This truck came out a year ago, but it's really blown up lately because they took the advertisement of it and they put it out lately, so it's blown up. Now, let me ask you something. Ford Motor Company, huge place, okay, huge commercial thing. They got the Raptor wrapped in rainbow, so, you know, homosexuals need a truck. How many homosexual transgenders do you know that say, I need a four-wheel drive truck so I can be, you know, throwing rainbows out at people as I drive down the street? What kind of market do you think they have for this truck? <laughs> I mean, come on. How, how many guys, how many transgender men are coming in? Hey, you got any gay trucks for me to buy? I mean, you know, this is almost ridiculous. And you got to ask, why? With all that's happening with Bud Light, how come they're not waking up? How come people push this crap? Exactly right. And that's what I want to talk about. This is really small for you to see, but here's the issue, people. You got all these big companies, okay, pushing this stuff even though it's killing them. You're like, why would you do that? Well, the CEI is an index rating. It's Corporate Equity Index. And the rating system rewarding companies that push LGBTQ stuff. So if you get that rating, oh, you're pushing that, you're higher in the rating. ESG is another rating that goes along. And here's the bottom line. BlackRock. You all heard of BlackRock? You know who BlackRock is? It's the world's biggest investor and asset manager with $8.6 trillion in assets. That's big, people. Okay? They hold assets and investments at every major company, and they push the CEI and ESG onto these companies. These companies, Target is getting paid by BlackRock to push this stuff. It's killing them. They're getting paid to do it. Bud Light, all these companies, they get paid, and so they're like, well, we got to do it. Even if it's killing us, you're like, well, this gets destroying the companies. That's the plan. They really want the companies destroyed because these are American companies, so they want them to totally fail because they want America destroyed. There's an agenda behind all this. And so they're using this. And they're pushing it. But BlackRock is behind it. There is a, an agenda. And people, again, we need to fight back with our money. Last week, Target lost $9 billion. Last week, $9 billion. 
I couldn't afford to lose that. <laughs> In one week, they're not they're still pushing it. Bud Light has lost 15.7 billion. Oh man. That's a lot of money. Here's what we need to teach these people. We don't need them. They need us. We're the consumers. If they don't have us, they're out of business. So people, you got to stop buying stuff from these people that push depravity. And listen, Christians, you might have to make some sacrifices. Well, I really like Bud Light. Well, I'm sorry for you to start with, okay? Drink water. You won't notice the difference, okay? But, you know, not a big deal. But make a sacrifice because they're pushing stuff we don't like. Go find something else you like. Go to it. You like? I really like Target. Get over it. Go somewhere else. Pay a little more money. But shut this place down. We have to make sacrifices. And our wallets are the way to do it, people. That's where we stop them. Find an alternative store, someone that believes in our values and our views to support. And there's a lot of pop-ups coming up. Different people who are making stuff and trying to provide services for people with the same beliefs. So we have to stand against this evil. You know, I think it's really easy to see where our culture is headed. And it's not laws that have to be changed. It's the hearts of men. And that only happens through preaching of the gospel, through grace, by grace, through faith, as we preach the gospel to the people. So let's make sure, believers, that the things we hold to, the views we have, come from the Bible and not from the culture. It's so easy, you know, that, that thing with the frog putting in the pan and boiling water, you know, the water that probably doesn't know it's getting boiled because it's turned. That's happening to us. We're accepting so much of this stuff that we should be saying, no. Not doing that's not stepping a foot in Target. Not buying a Bud Light, I'll die of thirst. You know, we're not doing that. <laughs> we were out to eat Friday night with another couple. And I went to the, we got, we got our seats and I went to the bar and got a beer because you have to wait forever once you sit down. So I got a beer and took it and the other person said, why don't you give me one? I'm like, because you're drinking Bud Light and no way I'm buying that. <laughs> I said, I'm not being part, I'm not participating. I wouldn't do it. You know, it's just we have to fight. The church is to be counterculture. It always will be. But I just I think too many Christians are just bowing and going along with, well, it's just the way things are. No, it's not. Use your voice. Speak up. Talk to people. I think we can make a difference. And again, I'm just to hear these numbers of these woke companies. Dying on the vine is so encouraging to me because it tells me that everything the media is telling us is a lie. And most of America says, we don't want this. This is wrong. This is against our values. Yes. When, you, when you're voting with your wallet, it makes a difference. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity to look at your word. Lord, Father, we're called to be salt and light. I pray, Lord, that'd be our, our efforts we would not condemn these people, Father. We would share with the, the gospel with them, encourage them through the scriptures. Those who say they're Christians, help us, Lord, to teach them what the Bible actually says. And give us the courage, Lord, to stand against these woke companies. To deal with this, Father, through our wallets. Lord, we pray for this nation, Lord. It, it's just, it's sad and something needs to happen, Lord. We need a revival. We need people to wake up. We need people to realize they need you and trust you. 
And we need Christians to use their voices to make a change in this culture in which we're living. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. Amen. Okay, hate to do this, but questions, <laughs> comments. <laughs> Gary? Well, the, uh, all these wackos are the same people that were pushing COVID, telling us to believe the science, listen to the science. But they don't use science when it comes right. to gender. They didn't use science when it came to COVID, okay? <laughs> there was no science there. All right. Yes. Well, right. But only here. Well, and the same thing is my body, my choice. That works for abortion, but when it comes to vaccines, no, no, no. We got to give you what we tell you you got to have, you know. And so, yeah, for those of you that stood the line and didn't do it, good for you. But yeah, I mean, we saw a major push, and I think that 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 woke a lot of people up, you know, once they saw what was going on. Someone says you forgot the silent P. I don't know what that means. There's a P. There's a P on that somewhere. Pedophilia, is that what that stands for? I don't know. The, the same people who insist we trust science when it comes to COVID vaccine. Did you write this, Gary? COVID vaccine get angry when told there are only two genders. Why don't they trust biology? Yeah, well, see, that it's, yeah, it's all hypocritical. They're pushing the agenda. They're not using any rhyme, any reason. I mean, when you just listen to this nonsense about all this gender stuff, and you're thinking, this is mental insanity. That's all it is. When you use the term that someone was assigned their gender. Right, yes. Everywhere you go, they ask that question. They ask what? What gender you're assigned? When you go like, to the hospital, they ask you, what do you identify as? David's like, um, I'm a male. <laughs> Well, look and see, okay? Well, one of the ladies there, she told me, she said, I hate to have to ask that you question, but policy there. dictates that they ask that question. Now. Oh, I, I'd love to play with them on that thing, you know. Zoe, didn't you say at the school they have litter boxes in the school? No, 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 no. 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 But they, they do have a lot of, like, pride stuff. Like, in the cafeteria, they have a giant heart made out of a bunch of hands that are, like, the colors of the different flags and all that stuff. And you can stand in the middle of a heart of the heart and take. But well, what are the kids called that think they're animals? Furries. Uh, yeah, furries. furries. So, oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, there is people. Well, yeah, it's a real thing well, here. Like dog collars. They got they got kids here that their yeah they're fur, they like, identify well, as an animal. Like, okay. It's just. It's Gary. This has been Chesapeake Public Schools. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean. Like in your class, how many people you think were transgender and homosexual? Oh my gosh, we have an entire. They all stick together too. They know right. not to met, you know, not to go to other tables. Like in my English class, we have two tables, and all of them, and those two tables are all a part of whatever. Like there's, uh, there was one guy who had like long hair, and he always wore baggy clothes. And then one day he showed up with a hot pink, bright collar on, like a dog collar that had a heart in the middle, and. It was really weird, and I was like, uh... I just feel sad for kids today. I mean, it's like so, you know, again, they're trying to confuse the children. You destroy the next generation, you destroy the country, okay? And they have a Christian school that you're going to, right? No, it's they not. They have Christian, um, like, Christian clubs and stuff. Uh, we had a, we had a, what's it called? Something where, like, they were announcing all of the clubs and stuff, and there was a Christian one, and then there was a gay one. 
and you could hear the a little bit of applause for the Christian one, but then uh, whenever the gay club came out, everybody was cheering, screaming. I heard a couple of people booing. I think it. I think, <laughs> it, like I said, I think it's a popular thing today. Yeah, you know, it's like if you want to be cool, you know, you got the cool kids. Well, the cool kids are supposedly the gay kids now. They're, we're cool because we're gay. Oh yeah, and if you speak out on it too, and they yeah, don't you're you're that, a homophobe. Right, this is from Norm. He said, David, thank you so much for today's teaching. It's heartbreaking because my niece is a lesbian. She was brought up in the church and is a believer. However, she's living in disobedience. Her mother and I are the only ones in the family that haven't abandoned her. We constantly pray for her and just will not give up on her. Lord, no matter whatever the outcome is, she's only in her late 20s. Please pray for her. Just say Norm's niece. Yeah, I, I mean, there's hardly a family, people, that's not touched by this nowadays. Cisgender or cisgender is a term meant to emasculate heterosexual men. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm just, I guess I'm a man who identifies as a man. Again, that to me is called normal, okay? They got a name for normal now because normal for them isn't normal. Uh, this is from Gary in PA. He says, uh, Christians and unbelievers say Yeshua never said anything about homosexuality. But Mark 7 says that from within, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts. Thayer's Greek does say homosexuality covers all. Your, your thoughts? Thayer's definition, one illicit sexual intercourse, adultery, fornication, homosexual, lesbian intercourse... There's, listen, there's all kinds of scripture that deal with this, okay? It's unnatural. As Romans talks about it. It's an unnatural thing because that, that's not how God made it. The species doesn't survive this way, okay? You just go out of existence, okay? Because it's made to be a man and a woman and, you know, the guy from the... I think his point is that you mentioned that the Bible doesn't say anything about homosexuality. Uh, he's saying... Oh, so, okay. That? So are you saying that from the, all right, proceed evil thoughts? Yes, well, that's where it comes from. And there's a lot of evil thoughts. But I'm saying you can't control the thoughts you have. Okay, Luther taught this. You can't control, you can't, he said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. In other words, you don't have to dwell on those, but I mean, thoughts come into our heads. And again, I just am convinced you can't control what you like and what you don't like. My wife will say this to me often, and she gets frustrated when I answer her, but she goes, why'd you do that? And I say, because I wanted to. I don't know any other reason. I wanted to do it, so I did it. It's not wrong, it's not sin, so I just did it. I mean, it just you have a desire. There's certain things you like. I love sushi. Why? Some people can't stand it. I don't know. I didn't choose to like sushi. I happened to eat it one time, I thought, this is great. <laughs> Raw fish, how can you not love it, you know? <laughs> I think the thing with that previous one was that while the Bible will very frequently talk negatively about homosexuality, Christ himself didn't say anything which explicitly condemned homosexuality. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, you know, people will use any excuse they can, all right? The Bible is all about Christ, okay? I mean, he's, he's the author of the Word of God, so just because he, it's not in red letters in your Bible, you know, it's still, uh, it's still there. Right. All right, someone says, I live in Massachusetts, and most churches I drive by have a homosexual flag in the front. Well, we welcome all people, 
Okay? And we welcome all people. I think that most churches are backwards. They take their morals from the dominant culture instead of the Bible. I would agree with that. The church should be influencing the culture and not the other way around. Also, do you think lust is different from attraction because Yeshua said that lust is a sin? Uh, yeah, I know. The Bible says if you, you know, lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. Okay? I think there is a difference between attraction and lust. Lust is a stronger thing. It's a going after, you know, something. It's not just, again, I don't think we control our desires. I just, I don't, you know, and again, I, I'm not saying I'm right on this. That's just how I see it until someone, you know, corrects me on this and says, oh, they, you just I make a choice. You don't listen to me. <laughs> I, I know, I know that I cannot choose to be homosexual. Okay? Put a gun to my head, do whatever. I'm not choosing, that's a choice I cannot make. Okay? It's repulsive to me. I'm not choosing what's repulsive. So for someone to make that choice... Yes, and different people, you know, they can be heterosexual and they turn to homo. Different events, but still something's wrong that you're attracted because God didn't make us to be attracted to the same sex. But you just said you didn't choose to like sushi until you tried it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. But he didn't think that he was... Ushers, get that guy out. <laughs> Remove him from the building. He didn't think it was disgusting. <laughs> Okay, I, this, this question, do you think people are waking up to the truth of biblical cosmology? I think a lot of people are waking up to it. I think, some, I think it's a highly emotional issue, more emotional than any doctrine I've ever been involved in. You can talk about anything, but you talk about you know, flat earth and people go nuts. They love the globe. I just answered questions, okay? I didn't... It's right here, okay? <laughs> it's a question that came up. I didn't bring it up. I'm just telling I'm just dealing with the questions that come. Nancy at the Foster Farm says, I've told a relative in a homosexual lifestyle that I have to refrain from committing murder on the road, but my inclination is there at times. Do you get where she's going there? That's a good point. Okay? Yes. Have you ever felt that way? I'd like to kill you, but I better not, because that's wrong. But it was a good point where you were saying about murderers marching in the street because right. they do say, you know, like serial killers have some innate right something's broke right innate thing yeah. that makes them want to go out and, and commit these heinous acts. But we don't we don't celebrate that. And here's a weird thing, people. They got Pride Month. First of all, pride is a sin. Okay, pride's a sin. The Bible says nothing good about pride. Pride's a sin, and so we're proud, we're sinful about our sex that's sinful. This is just, okay, let me finish this up. Refrain from committing murder on the road, but my inclination is there at times. So he can resist his inclination as well. Both are sinful, and both can be repented of. I, I agree, Nancy, 100% with you, that, you know, that, and that's the thing. Same thing with men. Men have a desire for women. You know, they see an attractive woman, and they're like, whoa, you know. But you can't do that, okay? Because you're married, or it's fornication if you're not married. Either way, it's wrong, so you don't do it. You can be tempted to do things that you don't do. But murder is a good thing, because there's been times, you know, when you, you know, you better stop there. <laughs> can't you have communism without the children? Thanks for your courage to speak the truth. Um, I No, I think that if you look at the Communist Manifesto, the thing they wanted was to get in the schools. 
That's what they wanted. We got to get into schools because we take over the children. We got it. And listen, they weren't in a hurry. They this was a hundred years ago they decided to do this. And so they take and listen, the schools are now indoctrination centers. Okay? I would never recommend a kid to go to college under any I just Christian or not. Okay? I'm just I'm sorry, but I just think they're all so messed up that unless you're super grounded in your you know in your faith. That's why public education was started though. Yes. Exactly. To indoctrinate the children. To indoctrinate them, right. Because the te- they're government schools. Yeah. Okay? They're teaching what they want them to teach. And they're pushing, you know, whatever. They're pushing vegetarianism now. And they got, you know, Meatless Tuesday. And we got, you know, they're just, they're pushing all their agenda. You know, and the teachers are out there pushing their, you know, sexuality. I'm like, I don't remember my teachers talking about who they were sleeping with when I was in school. You know, they taught you stuff. You didn't know anything about their personal lives. Keep it out of here. This is from Dana in California. He says, thank you, David. Excellent message and challenge to all of us to be responsible consumers and believers. Here's a place where you can, you can get woke alerts from various companies and businesses that do not shout from or should be considered not to purchase or shop from. So he's got, he's got a link here. Consumer... Consumerresearch.org. You can sign up for free woke alerts. Well, they'll tell you the companies are, you know, doing things. Thank you, Dana. It's consumerresearch.org. This is what's happening. Companies are being invented, developed. People are coming, starting new things because they're trying to, you know, the woke who's taking this over. We're going to do this here, and you can come and support us. And you know, Gary said, "Sorry, I wasn't focusing on the thoughts." I forgot to mention what the word fornication in that verse said in Thayer's. All right, Gary, I'm, I'm still not tracking there. Uh, Gary Cole says, uh, lust is building the nest. Yeah, that's right. Again, your thoughts, you know, you get a bad thought, go on. Get rid of it, move on. Don't dwell on it, but your bad thoughts aren't sinful. Uh, I'm trying to see who this is from. I don't know who this is from. But said, it all boils down to the bottom line, the chromosomes that God gave us. If someone has a Y chromosome, they're male, and they'll never be female. If someone has born a Y chromosome, they will never be male. It doesn't matter how you mutilate your body, how many hormones you take, how much makeup you apply to yourself, uh, what your feelings or desires are. If you were born with a Y chromosome, you will never be female. Even if you are herma, herma, hermaphrodite, yeah, you know, if you have a Y chromosome, you are a male. That, that's that's intersexual in the whole thing. These people who are messed up, you know, biologically. Everything else is mankind's flesh perversion, acceptance of sin, succumbing to desires or feelings. You know, to you know, to us, it's just that's just make men are men, women are women. Okay. There's some guys that are feminine, there's some women that are masculine, but Christians, it's important that we make a distinction between the sexes, okay? And that men look like men and women look like women. I don't like it when I look at someone and I'm like, is that a boy or a girl? I don't like that because there should be a distinction. And people, Christians, don't fall into that category. When someone looks at you, they should know what you are, all right? And if we, if they don't, you're, you're blending Destroying again the genders. Gary, um, it's been my 
unresearched opinion that people sin because they love their sin more than they fear God. Well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's definitely that's definitely they a problem. They know sin, but they want to do it anyway. Usually, there's not an instantaneous judgment on a sinful act. If there was, you know, people would maybe hesitant a little, be more hesitant of that. But yeah, God judges sin, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it takes a lifetime. But God does deal with sin, and and a sinful life is a life under the judgment of God, and it's miserable. And if you're a Christian, you're living in sin. God's going to deal with you, and it's not, you know, there's such blessedness. I, I listened to a testimony last week of a good friend of mine who was a preacher, and now he says he's an atheist. And in the testimony, he talks about, you know, he, he just was so under the guilt of sin. I'm like, you know why you were under the guilt of sin? Because you were living in sin. That's why you were under the guilt of it. That's how it's supposed to be. So now he says, I'm free. And he said, I, all the Christians I know are miserable. I'm like, I don't know who you know, but I'm not miserable at all. I love the Christian life. I often think of where my life would be apart from Christ. And it'd be either dead or in jail somewhere, okay? The Lord has restrained me so many times, you know? But uh, I love the Christian life. I, to me, it's, I love reading my Bible. I love worshiping the Lord. I just love that stuff. It's, there's no misery. I don't feel restrained or I can't do this or can't do that. I feel like, man, I'm just, I'm absolutely free in Christ, you know? And there's joy there. So I just... You know, it's just sad when people think that, you know, that's what the Christian life's about. This is J.P. from Oregon. It is sad that people try to change what God has made as if he is capable of making mistakes, which he is not. Yes. Thank you very much. You're right. I mean, God made you a male. There's a reason. Okay, you, you might have female tendencies. That's okay. It doesn't make you... A female. And you don't need to want to change to be a female because you can't do that. Can you help me understand what you mean about homosexuality being a defect? Are you saying it's not a sin issue? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, homosexuality is absolutely a sin. I don't know how to say that any clearer. Engagement in homosexual sex is a sin. I'm saying it's a defect that you want to do that. Something is broke. Because the Bible says it's unnatural. Natural is men loving women, women loving men. That's natural. Unnatural, something's wrong. Like Dave talked about, there's people who are just murderers. I mean, they thrive on that. Why? It's their passion. Pedophiles, there's people that just can't help. They see a child and can't go out. There's just sicknesses, okay? There's something broke. And people say, well, you know, and I know, I know the majority of people say it's just a choice. Well, I don't think I could make that choice. I know I couldn't make that choice. I know so many people could not make that choice. I asked guys, could you make that choice? No, not me. Okay, then, you know. Suicide rates in homosexuals is really high, and they blame it on us, saying that the reason is because we don't accept them. And that is part of the problem, see, because they want acceptance, because they know it's wrong, and if the church, see, when the church accepts you and you go to your gay church and all, you know, you feel okay. We're in church and we're worshiping God. But you know what the Bible says about worshiping God? You have to worship in spirit and in truth. And if you're not worshiping in truth, then you're in sin. And as simple as that.